0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome one and welcome all to episode number 112 of the Sports Kiki podcast. My name is Alex Reamer, and you can find the show wherever you can find your favorite Outsports podcasts. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You know the drill. Throughout my long life of podcasting, I have recorded shows in, well, let's just say some interesting places. I was a college student. Recording a bi-weekly Red Sox podcast, and of course, college students, especially underclassmen, often have roommates, and have roommates in very closed quarters. My freshman year at Boston University, I shared basically a small closet with another human being, two beds in there, right on top of each other. So suffice to say, not very friendly to podcasting. So what did I do? I had to record my late-night shows. The Red Sox would play... On Sunday night baseball, the game would end at like midnight, and I had to get a show out to my dozens and dozens of subscribers. So what did I do? I recorded shows on park benches around campus in the wee hours of the morning. I snuck into the College of Communication several times as well. Uh, last year, doing this show, the Sports Kiki Podcast, I recorded an episode uh, on, the base, uh, on the floor of uh, my friend's guest bedroom which was quite uncomfortable, but I was there for a long weekend, and this show had to get out. I say that to say this. I'm recording this week's edition of the Sports Kiki in a bit of an interesting location as well. I'm up in the great state of New Hampshire for the weekend, Easter weekend, Good Friday weekend, a holy weekend. Hope you all are enjoying it as well. Um, And I had to find a quiet place in the house to record the show this week, so I am recording the show in some weird sports den. It's a very nice house. It's one of those lake houses in New Hampshire, very scenic, very bucolic, but in the basement, there is this weird, and it's quite big, sports bar uh, with a huge TV, a ping pong table, a pool table, air hockey table, and all sorts of <laughs> the like most Boston- cliche sports posters you could find. We have Do Your Job for the Pats, Bleed Green for the Celts, Dirty Water for the Sox, and this is their first uh, home series of the weekend uh, of the year at Fenway this weekend, so very appropriate. Uh, I'm recording the show looking at the Dirty Water, Red Sox sign as well, uh, Ray Bork and the Bruins, we have a nice uh, homage to him, so yeah, I-, I am here in like Boston sports heaven. <laughs> Um 12-year-old Alex would have been thrilled to be recording a show in this kind of setting. Again, with the Red Sox opening up their home schedule at Fenway this weekend, too. It's just too perfect. But we do have the we do have the sports kiki. A few things I want to get to this week. Starting off with baseball, because baseball is here. The season is one weekend. Spent a lot of time on the show last week talking about the unique connection that Major League Baseball and the LGBTQ community have. I think there are a number of reasons for it. And the more I've thought about it over the last week, I really do think that, you know, you go to Occam's Razor Theory, the most obvious answer is often the correct one. The fact that baseball is in season in June and teams can have Pride Nights in Pride Month is great. And we all love the warmer weather. And I think that really factors into it too. But if you go back to the history of Pride Nights, the Dodgers are believed to throw the first to have thrown the first ever Pride Night in pro sports back in 2000. The Cubs followed the year after with their out at Wrigley event. So on top of that, uh, baseball being played during Pride Month, Pride Nights taking place appropriately during Pride Month. You have a long history, a multi-decade history of Major League Baseball teams reaching out to the LGBTQ community far before it was commonplace. Every team has a pride night now, except, well, the Texas Rangers, who remain the last holdout in Major League Baseball. Our Ken Schultz, our resident baseball aficionado at Outsports, had a story this week that did catch my eye. Texas Rangers to finally hold a Pride night, asterisk. Now the asterisk does, you know, give it away that maybe this isn't the typical LGBTQ Pride experience, but Pride, all right, I mean, what else could it be? Well, there's a catch. The Rangers are having Charlie Pride bobblehead night, <laughs> April 15th, so they actually had it yesterday, Friday. Uh, who is Charlie Pride? He's a trailblazer, uh, black artist, trailblazing black artist who was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame, also a former minor league ball player, which I guess is his connection to the Rangers. So, yeah, it's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Looks like a cool bobblehead. Definitely worthy of such a tribute. But, hey, Rangers, where's the other Pride Night? Huh? I mean, as Ken pointed out in his piece, the Rangers have 34 quote-unquote community nights listed on their 2022 schedule And not a single one of them is pride-related. I mean, really. (laughs) The Rangers are having a weather day. They're having all sorts of silly promotions. But they can't have a pride night? Seriously? And there's a number of theories as to why the Rangers are the last holdout in Major League Baseball. Outrangers beat writer Alex Plink, who we've profiled on Outsports a couple of times, posted last season on his blog... That there's a strong suspicion that a high-ranking member of the organization's front office is dead set against the concept. So maybe that's the case. That would make sense. But man, oh man. I mean, what a miss here from the Rangers. And just look at it from the business perspective. Pride nights are historically very well attended. I know here in Boston, when the Red Sox hold one, very well attended. It's one of the signature home games of the season. So if you don't love the LGBTQ community, okay, but you loathe us so much, you you don't even want to take our money, ooh, that is really (laughs) reaching that to a whole new level, so the Rangers, once again, the only holdout major league baseball without a pride night, and it's come to our attention again this season, and it's really just a slap in the face to the team's LGBTQ fans who spend money, who go to the games, who buy the merchandise, watch them on TV, and you can't have a single night where you're paying tribute to them, where you're recognizing them. Instead, you're having weather night and all sorts of other silly things. Please. Uh, Please, honey, please. That's a reaction I had when I looked at the ass (laughs) of Oakland A's catcher Sean Murphy. This was a viral moment this week that our Jim Buzinski wrote up on OutSports. This happened this past Monday. Murphy was hit by a pitch, or more accurately, his butt got in the way of a baseball. And you talk about how mainstream the gay lifestyle is these days. Well, I guess that Sean Murphy in this incident would tell you because this was a viral moment. It got well over 16 million views on Twitter, the video did, Uh, approaching 410,000 plus likes, so there you go. I guess we kind of are taking over the world, because a relatively anonymous baseball player's butt uh, was maybe the most viral thing on social media this week. So there you go. Cheers to the gay agenda. And that's exactly what I'll be doing, because, mm, as I said... I'm on vacation, so I may or may not have taken a sip of a little podcasting cocktail. Who's to say? Uh, good thing we're not on video. You can never say. You can never see. Um, so the the point that I want to close on the show this week, and I guess this would be our big topic this week, is a story I wrote about Magic Johnson, who has a gay son, EJ. And I bring this up because Magic Johnson has a new docu-series coming out on Apple Plus TV, and he's been doing the interview rounds to promote the show, as one does. One of those interviews was with the publication Variety. In that interview, Magic talked about his relationship with his gay son, EJ. And though they're very close today, and have been for some years, it wasn't always that way. Magic told the story about how, when EJ came out to him, it took some time. For him to learn to love him. Or him to come to love him, I should say. That's the better way to put it. Of him coming to love EJ for all that he is, including being gay. EJ was quoted extensively in the story as well. And I bring this up as an interesting talking point because it shows us that people are complicated, right? So let's look at the history of Magic Johnson. First of all, TMZ took a picture of EJ holding hands with a man, or I guess at that point a boy, because he was still a teenager. In 2013, um, they then asked Magic about that photograph, and Magic gave the best quote a father could give in that spot. He said, Cookie and I, Cookie is his wife, love EJ and support him in every way. We're very proud of him. Beautiful, simple, loving, great, right? Well... It wasn't always that way. EJ came out to his parents in 2010, and the embrace didn't come immediately. Magic said this to Variety. When you grow up in team sports, you're thinking, is he going to play sports? And then I saw that he liked dolls and to play dress-up. What are you doing? And because of that, EJ says his parents were the last people to know he was gay. He knew they would need some, some time to digest the news. And for a while, things were pretty tense inside of their Beverly Hills home. Magic made some insulting rules. He barred EJ from wearing scarves in the house. This is what EJ said. My parents were the last people that I had to talk to about it. It wasn't new for me, but they had to really take that in and digest it. Especially for my dad, because he was really the last person to talk to. I think it was just a lot for him to swallow in that conversation. And he was just rattling off about things that weren't particularly nice. So that stands in contrast to Magic's public persona, because Magic has always been publicly pro-LGBTQ. The greatest example of that, and most monumental example of that, was his HIV disclosure in 1991. That was a landmark moment, a turning point in the fight for HIV awareness, of course in the early 90s, HIV was still commonly viewed as a gay problem. Oh, that's the gay plague. That affects gay men who have sex with other gay men. Nothing we really need to worry about. But then Magic Johnson, one of the most famous basketball players in the world, an icon, says on national TV, holds a press conference, and says that he has HIV. His decision to go public with that diagnosis saved the lives of countless LGBTQ people. And a lesser man may not have gone public at that time. Because as soon as Johnson announced that he had HIV, the rumors started to swirl. Was he gay? That's a gay thing. So many people would have been so afraid of the stigma, they would have kept that news in-house. But Magic didn't do that. He came out live in 1991 and said, I have HIV. LZ Granderson, gay sports writer in LA, wrote this about Magic's announcement a few years ago. Along the way, Magic encountered the same sort of prejudice and discrimination that many gay men had to deal with, but not once do I recall Magic denouncing the gay community in order to quote-unquote clear his name. And that's so right and so important. And you go throughout the years, Magic cut ads for the fight against Prop 8, in California, which was their initiative to ban, say, sex marriage, which actually narrowly passed in the popular vote, then was overturned. This was back in 2008. So, you know, go back to 08, even. Magic Johnson is cutting ads in support of same-sex marriage, or I guess, most accurately, cutting ads against an initiative to ban same-sex marriage. So Johnson's on the side of marriage equality, But around the same time, his son EJ is coming out to him, and Magic responds by banning scarves in the house and putting on some other degrading rules. So it just shows you that, you know, Magic was clearly somebody comfortable with the LGBTQ community outside of his home. But when that came inside, it was a little different for him. And Magic has mended his relationship with EJ, you know, obviously. Uh, He visited him after he started college in New York, and they slowly began to heal those wounds. But it just shows you that people are complex. Magic, as he said in the Variety interview, grew up in the heteronormative world of male team sports. His son was supposed to shoot hoops, not wear scarves around the house. So, one persona publicly, some misgivings privately... Again, shades of gray. People are complex. If there's a theme of the show so far in 2022, I think that's what it is. People have multiple sides to them. And so often today, we try to narrow cast people into one thing. Good, bad. Evil, good. And this Magic Johnson thing shows that, again, people have multiple sides to them. And they process things in different ways, publicly and privately. So... That was an interesting story that I came across this week, and I think stands for an interesting study into the human psyche. And that's what we always try to do here on The Sports Kiki, right? We try to introduce studies into the human psyche. But thank you for listening to the show, episode number 112. As always, if you have any guest ideas or show ideas, send them along my way. At alexreamer one is my Twitter handle. That, again, is at alexreamer one So long, everybody. We'll talk to you next, next Saturday. Enjoy your Easter weekend.